0: Welcome to the podcast. My name is Mary Lee
1: and my name is Jacob.
0: Today we will talk about what can be considered a genocide, its causes, and the response from the world.
1: The day is May 8th and our podcast is produced and recorded in Glen Allen, Virginia. to understand the genocide in Bosnia, we'll first have to look at some quick history. After the end of World War II, the countries of Eastern Europe were thrown into chaos. Each country was filled with several ethnic histories, but Bosnia and Herzegovina, Serbia, Montenegro, Croatia, Slovenia, and Macedonia all came together and formed the Republic of Yugoslavia. They stayed that way until 1980, when Josip Braz Tito, the leader of Yugoslavia, died Soon after Josip's death, Serbian leader Slobodan Milosevic spread anti-Muslim and anti-Croatian ideology among ethnic Serbs in Yugoslavia and Bosnia. Then in 1991, Slovenia, Croatia, and Macedonia declared their independence. At the time, Bosnia had to form a coalition government, with the political parties and representation equally sized to their ethnic groups. The ethnic groups were Serbs, Croatians, and Bosniaks, which are Bosnian Muslims. At the time, the president of Bosnia was a Bosniak man named Alija Itsebogovic. Itsebogovic, alongside a referendum vote, declared Bosnian independence from the Republic of Yugoslavia in 1992. Two days later, the bombs began falling. Serbs, trained and armed by the Yugoslavia military, started bombarding Bosnia's capital, Sarajevo. The Serbs then watched land defenses against the Bosniak populated areas, such as Zvornik, Foca, and Visegrad and rounded up, for, rounded up civilians, forcing them from their towns, a process which is now known as ethnic cleansing. By the end of 1993, the Serb forces were in control of over three quarters of the country, with only UN safe havens in eastern Bosnia protected by UN peacekeepers left. The atrocities committed in Bosnia didn't gather much media attention until the summer of 1995. When ethnic Serbs detonated a bomb in a crowded Sarajevo market, captured two UN safe havens, Zepa and Sabrinka, gathered together over 8,000 Muslim civilian men, women, and children, then killed them all. After these acts of genocide and ethnic cleansing were made public to the international community, the UN sent peacekeeping forces comprised of militaries from Sweden, Denmark, the UK, the Netherlands, and the United States, and the Serbs were forced to sign a ceasefire. After the deaths of nearly 100,000 people, the genocide in Bosnia was finally over. In the aftermath of the war, the UN Security Council founded an International Criminal Tribune, which was the first one made since the Nuremberg Trials of the Holocaust, and they indicted over 160 war criminals, including Serbian leaders Radovan Karadzic, and General Ratko Mladic on charges of genocide and crimes against humanity. Up next is the interview with someone that witnessed the Bosnia genocide firsthand. Hello, I'm here with Joseph Tanksley to interview him about Bosnia. So Joseph Tanksley, did you serve in the military?
2: Yes, I did as a Marine.
1: When and where did you serve?
2: I served from 93 to 99. I was stationed in, um, out of New River Air Station, um, Marine Corps New River Air Station, um, Jacksonville, North Carolina with HMM 264 um, and the 26th Mu. So where did I serve? I served in Haiti, Somalia, Bosnia and Kosovo
1: how much do you know about the genocide that happened in Bosnia
2: well I was um in the Marine Corps during the genocide so the Bosnian War started basically late 1992 and and it escalated slowly and the actual documented genocide was mid 1995 um and I was in Bosnia. Um, well, we were actually in the Adriatic Sea, which is right off the Mediterranean Sea, um, on an aircraft carrier since my job in the Marine Corps was as a uh, assault door gunner. So we would intro- insert troops into combat zones and I was a door gunner for, for that and also to retrieve troops out of the combat zones. I was also a door gunner for that, and we also did some medevac and medical assistance. Now, um, as the Bosnian basically conflict escalated into what they call a war, then the United States Marine Corps, uh, parts of us became implemented into the NATO Um, Into NATO, and I became part of a group called the I for I F. O R which is the implementary force of readiness. So we were the main um, basically stabilizing and infiltration force for the world when it came to Bosnia so mid mid 1995 on four-day period I think close to eight to 9,000 Bosniaks were killed by Serbs um, by basically attacking a small group of Dutch, Dutch peacekeepers and taking over a section there in Bosnia. Now, when it came down to it, before everything was taken care of and the Dayton Keys Peace Accord was signed and everything like that, um i think between the years of 93 and 95 over hundred thousand people died that's including civilians and and military on both sides but the main aggressor would have been the bosnian serbs against the bosniaks and some of the Cro on um, the croatians now why that mid i think i can't believe it was july i think it was between july in August of 1995 was considered the worst part of it is because that's when they took to ca- and captured and imprisoned women and children and and started to you know the women and the stories of mass graves and the result was the mass graves that we witnessed and going and the children being killed and women being raped and tortured in front of their family before being killed um, is which made it such a horrific event. But short as it was, it was still very horrific.
1: So, after all of that, the true question is what causes genocides? What do you think causes genocides, or specifically what caused um, the Bosnian genocide?
2: So, whatever you have a mixture of culture and religion and when certain cultures or religions believe that another one is imposing on on their uh, heritage or their birthright then uh, one way I guess that one of those sides could deem as a resolution is to eliminate the other religion or the other ethnicity or the other the other body of people so what happened in bosnia was the genocide there is the the serbs thought that the land belonged to them and they in and, and when they no longer wanted to talk anymore and they didn't think that a diplomatic solution in their eyes was going to be able to resolve the matter then they they were going to kill and i think that's what it is with any genocide is the elimination of a group of peoples
1: thank you for talking with us um and thank you for everything you've said
2: you're welcome
0: In this section of the podcast, I will address the causes of genocide. My first source comes from Derek Davis from his article, Confronting Ethnic Cleansing in the 21st Century from the Journal of Church and State from 2000. Sadly, there have been many genocides in our present time. Some of these go by other names which specify their specific reasonings and causes of which I will describe the two which are the most common. To begin with, utilitarian ethnic cleansing has been recorded in the history books, usually before the 20th century. Utilitarian ethnic cleansing happens where perpetrators were pursuing land, economic wealth, slaves, or simply settling old scores. Secondly, there is ideological ethnic cleansing, whereby the perpetrator proceeds for reasons having to do with race, ethnicity, religion, politics, or some other ideological factor. This type of cleansing has mostly been recorded in the modern era during times of struggle where the victim needs a party to blame for their misfortune. Ethnic cleansing is one method chosen by a perpetrator to solve a problem that they have temporarily. Often they consider this an easy way out of conflict or depression, where they don't have to negotiate peacefully as stated in the stockholm accords from his article regrettably ethnic cleansing racial and religious differences too often have become instruments of hatred and division rather than broad avenues for celebrating diversity and promoting mutual respect ethnic cleansing typically favors homogeneity over heterogeneity likeness over difference and the exercise of institutional power to subdue or eliminate ethnic, racial, or religious minorities, rather than embrace them as a part of our common humanity. In every case of genocide, there exists a fundamental hatred or basic lack of respect for human life when it pertains to common enemies. The next section of the podcast will address how... Other countries have responded to such genocides. Based off of Daniel Larson in his article from the magazine titled The American Conservative, his article, Only So Much Moral Clarity, the House of Foreign Affairs. Con- The House Foreign Affairs Committee voted 27-21 in favor of a resolution to recognize the organized deportations and mass killings of Armenians in the Ottoman Empire during World War I as genocide. This prompted Turkey to recall its ambassador from Washington, D.C., Commemorated by Armenians, the subsequent genocide of 1.5 million people was a state-sponsored effort crafted by the Ruling Committee of Union and Progress to eliminate the Armenian population of the eastern Anatolian provinces. The Ruling Committee of the Union and Progress agents, Kurdish irregulars, and members of the Ottoman military carried out the series of massacres and forced death marches to the Syrian desert. The Turkish government still contests the existence of the Armenian Genocide. They criminalize speech that refers to the genocide under an article that penalizes insulting Turkishness. A U.S. consul stationed in the empire during the genocide confirmed that there was no secrecy around the fact it was meant to be a genocide carried out by the government. On another occasion, Bush speechwriter Michael Gerson lectured conservatives on the importance of moral ideas in politics and foreign policy. The White House endorsed Ankara's policy of denying the Armenian Genocide while under intense pressure from the Turkish government. President Bush has pronounced the Conflict in Defar Genocide. He and his supporters have demagogue fears of genocide in post-withdrawal Iraq, and he has invoked revisionist theories of the causes of the Cambodian genocide to bash opponents of the Iraq war, but when confronted with the acknowledgement of the first genocide of the 20th century, the administration becomes mute. In the next section of the podcast, I will address the justifications of perpetrators of genocide. Information on these justifications comes from Jeff Grammeer, from his article, Justifying Genocide in USA Today, from 2018. He wrote about the perpetrator's justification of their genocide, and these reasons were common. The five techniques used by criminals to neutralize their guilt and justify their crime were determined to include a strong denial of responsibility, a persistent denial of injury, a complete denial of the victim, a confrontational condemnation of the condemners, and an appeal to higher loyalties. The next part of the podcast I will address is the proposed solutions by Barry Posen from his article, Military Responses to Refugee Disasters, from the International Security magazine publisher. His suggested reactions include... Punishment of the assailant, creation of a safe zone to protect victims, creation of circumscribed circumscribed safe havens where the displaced can seek protection and sustenance close to their homes, also called open relief centers, without direct military protection, imposition of some kind of enforced truce in the zone of conflict, Outsiders effectively seize some or all attributes of sovereignty. Somewhat they act almost as if a sheriff. Offensive war actions used to destroy the military power of the assailant, sometimes even the change the regime, suggested for circumstances under which invasion will prove the only feasible solution. In conclusion, Genocide over time has become common and we are so desensitized to mass killings that our persecution of these perpetrators has been lackluster to say the least. Marines like Mr. Tanksley are standing ready to defend the rights of all people, but it is challenging for any country to commit to persecuting another nation's government or regime. If you have gained anything from this podcast, let it be that all life needs to be protected And all rights need to be defended by our United Nations under the Universal Declaration of Human Rights. Thank you for listening to this podcast. Again, we are based in Glenallen, Virginia, and we are coming to you from Deep Run High School.